Join everybody and welcome. This is Identity Unlocked and I'm your host, Vittorio Bertocci. Identity Unlocked is the podcast that discusses identity specs and trends from a developer perspective. Identity Unlocked is powered by Zero. In this episode, we discuss the mobile driving license, an ISO standard that has the potential to have a direct impact on the daily life of um, everyone. And to do that, I enlisted my old friend, Andrew Hughes, director of identity standards at Pink Identity, historical figure in the identity industry. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you, Victoria. I'm glad to be here. It's tradition of Identity Unlocked that we start with the history of uh, our guests, and in particular, the trajectory that led you to your current position and your current interest in identity. So what's your story, Andrew? Well, it uh, goes back quite a while. I've been in this business in various roles um, for probably 15 years. As uh, you may know, I, I live in Victoria, British Columbia, which is the capital of the province of British Columbia, up in Canada. And there's lots of government offices here. So if you're in IT, you're probably consulting for government. Since 2000, that's what I was doing, consulting on information security policy and privacy policy for the CIO's office at the government of BC. And that's where identity comes to play. So in around 2007, I started noticing that these people in the CIO's office were starting to talk about this user-centric identity thing. I kept hearing about this info card and how Microsoft was doing brilliant things with info card and how this guy Vittorio was at the center. No, sorry. That's my bio, not your bio. So in BC government, in the CIO's office, they were looking hard at user-centric identity. And I started getting contracts in the citizen identity space. And I helped work to create the BC government Internet Identity Information Management Service that is still running today. It's different now, but it's as there at the beginning. In 2013, I took a big leap forward into the deep end to try to get ahead to the leading edge of the industry. Great new things were happening out there in standards and associations. Authentication was coming on and my clients could not jump to the leading edge because clients like to pay for real things. They don't want the thing that might happen in 20 years. They want the thing that happens now. So I jumped in the deep end. I just jumped in, started joining associations, industry associations, started contributing to standards bodies and other, other places and built a network of people. And that's what I've been doing continuously since then. I'm deeply involved in ISO for standards, Kantera, I was deeply involved in NSTIC in the U.S. for IDESG. Internet identity world is you know, it's one of my favorite places to go to geek out for a week on identity topics. I participate in decentralized identity associations of various sorts and, and more. I'm a delegate of Standards Canada to a couple of ISO subcommittees. One is working on the core identity management federation of privacy standards, and the other is working on mobile driver's license. And that's what we're here to talk about today. I work for Ping Identity as a director of identity standards, which in our pre-recording chat, it's becoming a real job. It's amazing. I see postings for directors of identity standards, which is a very, very new thing in the world. So I'm very excited here to talk about MDL and how it's going to change everyone's lives. Wonderful. 
Thank you so much for walking us through his uh, incredible trajectory. It's clear that you have been uh, in this space for a long while, so you have uh, like a huge repository of knowledge where everybody's uh, skeletons are hidden. So <laughs> I'm sure that as soon as we stop the recording button, we'll start the interesting discussion. But for the time being, given that uh, we are recording, let's uh, actually dive into today's topic which is a mobile driving license. So can we start by like defining what is it really? So the mobile driving license is everything you expect it to be, but it isn't that. What I mean is the mobile driver's license, the MDL, is actually a growing family of standards at ISO, International Standardization Organization, for driving licenses, like the real plastic, like the official driving licenses that everyone as, but existing on mobile devices like your phone. The idea is that by conforming to these standards, it allows government issuers like departments of motor vehicles to provision an official driving license to a person's mobile device in app form. It's brand new in the world. This is astonishing, right? Now, if the local laws and regulations are adjusted to recognize these electronic and digital driver's licenses, they become exactly the same as the plastic driver's license in electronic form. They're official because the law in some places says that they are. And we're, we're expecting that to grow over time. The mobile driver's license standard is supported by several international associations of motor vehicle administrators with great global coverage. And it's pretty reasonable to believe that MDL will become a dominant structure and standardization vehicle used by government issues around the world for driving licenses to begin with. And we'll see what happens in the future, but there's lots of potential. So today, there are actual production deployments of mobile driver's license apps, issuance services, and reader apps and devices. At my previous company where I worked at Idemia, we were engaged with several state DMVs to deploy official ISO 18013 Five, we'll get to that number later, MDLs. So they are actually out there and they're starting to be used. I see. So let's pick one state. Like what, what is one state that is already supporting it? So the state of Oklahoma, state of Tennessee is coming online. Florida is well on their way. I think they're close to, close to go live and several others. There's many others in pilot. I, honestly, I haven't kept track of them because there's too many to No, but that's good. We only yeah. need one. Yeah. Uh, let's say that yeah. we do Oklahoma. So say that I am an Oklahoma resident and uh, I need to hop on the car to buy quick groceries. Does that mean that now if I forget my plastic driving license, but I have my phone always with me, of course, and uh, I get stopped because I drive Italian style, and the uh, patrol person shows up and says, uh, show me your driving license. I can just pull out my phone and uh, that will be enough? Uh, not yet. Uh -huh. There's a lot of infrastructure that goes into these licenses of any kind. Okay. I knew there was a caveat when you said that it's supported. There's pilots and proofs of concepts out there for law enforcement. Law enforcement has a, a very specific set of needs uh, around licensing. It's uh, checking your registration details in their database. It's, you know, evaluation against certain lists that they may have and watch lists, that sort of thing. We as an industry have not quite figured out 
what the human experience is supposed to be with a mobile driver's license on a phone and a police officer. Because we designed the, the standards so that you don't give your phone to the police. There's radio communications, NFC and Bluetooth are defined in the standard so that you can tap your phone on their reader and transfer the data that's, uh, that's being requested. Because all the standards experts in the room at ISO, we fully understand that people have to be willing to use the driver's license and not be afraid of misuse. Because if misuse happens, there will be no adoption. And security and privacy are top of mind when we're developing these standards. Fantastic. So just to try to double click on this, like you mentioned app, but in this case, uh, you mentioned the data transfer. So if we actually look at the meat of those standards, what do they define? Do they define like data formats? Do they define messages, protocols? What's in the standard? Yes to everything. (laughs) The family of standards is, is being developed over time. So the first one is ISO 18013 part five. And that's the one that everyone recognizes because it was just published in September, 2021. What it covers is the data structure, the data integrity mechanism, so how signatures and hashes and uh, keys and certificates are used to ensure the data has not been modified by anyone in transit. It covers mechanisms for secure session establishment, device engagement, a request response protocol, and a few data transports for QR codes, for optical, NFC, Bluetooth, and Wi-Fi aware. And also, it's defined in a way that you can add additional data transport methods and additional signature methods that can be supported as technology evolves. So it's not a closed, this is everything that will be. There are extension points that we expect to use as the situation changes. You'll notice I didn't say issuance. 18.0.13.5 does not cover issuance because we had to start somewhere. So we thought we'd start with using it. There are other standards in the family. I'm not going to give you the numbers because they're all just numbers, but they're covering how an issuer constructs data objects, exchanges keys with the mobile device, provisions it to the mobile device with secure hardware and secure areas, and other aspects of uh, operational use of the, of the driver's license. So lifecycle management is not in 18.0.13.5, but it is in the family of standards that are being developed. And trust levels and security levels and all that sort of stuff as well is coming soon. This is all PKI, right? Like there is no decentralized magic and similar. It's like uh, departments and driving license have certificates. Uh, they sign with more certificates and it's all traditional PKI, correct? It's definitely private, public key pair cryptography. It's not the same PKI that people might be familiar with, with the the browser lock, right? So it's not universal with universally recognized root CAs, that sort of thing. But yeah, it's classical PKI in a uh, limited domain. So there there are no X509s? Are like those RSA keys uh, on their own? Sorry, they they are X509 certificates uh, associated with the keys. It's just that... We point at uh, public key directories, uh, PKDs, as opposed to root servers that can connect you to many branches in a traditional PKI. But other than that, it's it's the same PKI. But the funny thing is, it kind of is decentralized, right? Because 
Each driving management office and each jurisdiction is its own authority. They're not tied together. So yeah, sure, there's centralization around the issuer, for sure. But the issuers don't have any obligation to each other. Isn't it the kind of like, a, from an English language perspective, I think I understand what you're saying. It's just decentralized as being recently co-opted, like crypto, to one particular meaning. But like, by your definition, you could say that Shibboleth is decentralized as well, right? Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is. It is. It's just that, like, for clarity, given that, uh, like, uh, if you go on Google Trends and you search for uh, keywords, you'll see that uh, there is a spike, and some of those spikes uh, actually bring this uh, special meaning to words. So I just wanted to make sure that, uh, because we I just uh, recorded with uh, Christina and uh, Oliver an episode on decentralized identity. So. Just wanted to make sure that the audience knows uh, which flavor of decentralized we are talking about. And speaking of which, from a topology perspective, a lot of the things that you described are similar to the topologies we are used to. So OpenID Connect, uh, you mentioned uh, the formats of JOTs and similar. So how would you relate those new ISO standards uh, versus uh, OpenID Connect, uh, Jot, like uh, how similar are they? What touch points, what possible synergies between those new standards and uh, OpenID Connect do you see? So interesting thing about that question is they're at slightly different layers. So HTML 13.5 covers, really covers credentials. So mobile driver's license, mobile EID as a credential, and then also its transports. So at certain at certain places, OpenID Connect is used for authentication. Jots are used in certain in certain transfer formats, right? But the the idea is that the family of standards covers the lifecycle of the credentials. So the the issuance, provisioning, secure storage, request response, presentation. We are working at using the self issued OpenID provider SIOP as one of the transports that we're extending the standards with. And uh, there's a bunch of us working on that now to try to make the mobile driver's license app, the wallet, if you will, a PSYOP provider. So they fit together. They, they don't really replace each other, but it's you can see that there's dependencies depending on which protocols you are using for transmission. That makes sense, which actually makes me want to clarify another aspect even further, because uh, I'm not entirely clear on whether the driving license is an app or is a bunch of data. And the reason for which I say this is that I've read in the news that iOS, which uh, I am a proud user of, uh, just like uh, today when they ask me for proof of vaccination, I pull out my iPhone and uh, the Washington state gave me a card that lives in my uh, Apple wallet and I just show the card. So to me, the uh, vaccination is just a credential, it's not an app, like the app uh, in my phone does this. But so is the driving license expecting to be its own app or do you expect the driving license to be something issued from the Department of Driving License that lives inside one app which is capable of showing it? In the initial builds, the initial applications, the data and the app are really tightly bound. So the user interface, user interaction, the data itself, how you interact with other devices really comes from the app, but it is actually the data. The data is, the, the credential is the data object and its signatures. 
as the maturity and capabilities of hardware and software wallets um, and credential holders rises, the data structure, which is the MDL credential, is intended for placement in those storage locations. A general purpose wallet should be able to receive a MDL credential, store it, and make that data available for presentation to a reader. So we're, we're, we're getting there and it's, when I say app, that's just the early days of it right now. This, this is brand new. Of course, of course. So just to summarize, uh, today, early on, you own the experience end-to-end. And so the partner driving license of Oklahoma might uh, give you an app and this app, uh, have first time you run it, will do whatever identification and you'll get uh, your uh, driving license. And then whenever you need to use it, you use the app. In the future, uh, in which you can be confident that, uh, say, the Apple Wallet or the Android Credential Manager are capable of doing the things that you expect those applications to do in order to use the mobile, the mobile driving license, then at that point, you'll be ready to leverage uh, general purpose uh, wallets like these ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's part of the standards that we're working on now is what does the issuer require of these wallets? Because... If you imagine in the future world, anyone could walk up with any wallet and say, give me my driver's license. Does the issuer have any say in the security features and capabilities of that wallet? Well, they should for the driving license. And the way you do that today is you write an app, you test it, make sure that it it has no vulnerabilities or few vulnerabilities in it. And that satisfies the issuer's needs. And that's probably why we're seeing them as apps first and then eventually wallets when wallets mature. I'm getting very strong uh, web often attestation vibes, like uh, Fido and friends uh, before deciding, okay, this browser is capable of doing X uh, attestation process. Do you foresee an attestation process for apps and hardware as well for mobile driving license? Yeah, it's, it's very much in the thoughts of the work groups. At some point, we imagine that there will be attestation. We're not sure what parts will actually be attestable. Your mobile phone is a lot of things. Does the entire thing, every single bit on your phone need attestation? Well, no. But what parts do and what are critical to the uh, for the support of MDL? And we're, we're trying to narrow those down so that we can actually express it in a standard that you can test against. Now, I've got to say, there's a very interesting aspect to MDL that, to me, is actually the most interesting part. The driver license stuff, the entitlements drive, that's that's all wonderful. But the concept of what an MDL represents in everyone's daily life, that's fascinating. Half the people in the room think of an MDL as entitlement to drive. You know, the issuers say you can drive, that's great. Yeah, 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 it's got your name and photo on it. The other half of the room says, no, 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 that's how I use, that's my identification card, right? It's a general purpose identification card. So the debate, one of the debates we're having in the industry right now between various communities out there, you know, decentralized, centralized, government, non-government industry, and so on, is what is this MDL thing supposed to be? What should you be able to do with it? And it's totally greenfield. No one knows. But the MDL has that dual nature. And we, you know, if you've been in, around the industry, you will recognize this dual nature problem. It is both the entitlement and it is also the identification and the identity. We're finally at a point 
where we have a government-issued, government-verified identification credential on the person's device, which means there's an opportunity to have an actual mobile identification credential that is under the control of the person. It's the true user centricity. So imagine the day, and it's not that far away, where if you get your mobile driver's license on your mobile phone, you can selectively present to a relying party, to a, to a, a retail organization, let's say, you can selectively present only your name and not your address, or only your address and not your name, or only age over 55 for the discount, right? Things like that. We have not been able to do this before because getting from the government issuance into a digital format, we've always had to do kludgy, take a picture of this driver's license and try to parse it and all that stuff, which isn't that reliable. Now, as M MDL rolls out, we'll have a digital signed representation of that data. And if we're smart about how we integrate this new thing into the world, into the identity identification ecosystems, you know, proof of identity, that sort of thing, we have an opportunity to unlock a whole new set of use cases. Now, I'm certainly not advocating using government-verified identification credentials for everything like they are in the UK, right? In the UK, they're doing age requirements to access certain kinds of uh, websites. Well, you know that Orwell so you have to log was on from to the, the UK, right? So <laughs> they have to honor his memory. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't want to have your mobile driver's license be the way you have to log into the internet before you can do anything. That's way too far. But how can we put the data attributes in the person's control so they can get the things they want to get done in real life just like your driver's license does for you today. Well, that's a, a very American thing, I have to say, because I can remember when I moved here to the States uh, 15, 16 years ago, it was uh, like flabbergasted to realize that uh, no one had identity cards. They only had a driving license. And I discovered that uh, some people had uh, driving licenses which had the sign is there. This driving license does not entitle you to drive. <laughs> yeah, it only for identification purposes. <laughs> and uh, 15 years later, my mind is still blown as I think about it. But you, uh, you brought like a, a lot of interesting points. And I'd say also something scary for some uh, of the people that uh, will listen, which is... Uh, yes, absolutely. You basically predicted the demise of one entire branch of our industry which is identity proofing. Like today, uh, there are a lot of uh, providers that offer that as a service because exactly it's hard to do. And so they offer services so that uh, you can uh, do a, like a strong proofing, strong identification of your users. The moment in which every user, just by virtue of uh, having uh, being uh, granted a driving license, has the ability to give a high confidence proof of their own identity, what's going to happen to all these companies? All I can say is you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone out there, it's not my fault. It wasn't me. Well, um, No, I like to follow the, the trends and themes in identification, identity, you know, the, my industry, right? And today, especially in the US, the data brokers, identity verification services of different types offer an, a necessary service because that's what's grown up here. In the future, 
So those companies exist in other parts of the world that have national identification cards too. The critical aspect that will allow them to transform and survive is you should never rely on a single point of truth or trust. So yeah, it's great that I've got this electronic thing that seems to be signed by an issuer. But if that's all you look at when you're giving me that million dollar loan, your risk department should be going through the roof. The identity verification services do risk and fraud detection, impossible movement detection, you know, the teleportation stuff. And they're getting into the advanced AI-driven behavioral characteristics of real human presence. So they're not going away. Their business might shift, but this is a multi-generation, multi-human generation shift. This is not happening tomorrow. Oh, yeah. This is 10, 20 years. We'll start to see it. And then another 10, 20 years, it'll become the way it's done. Yeah. Because we, we have to shift all the human processes and all the human infrastructure. And, and there is like a, the usual uh, uh, divide now, like with COVID, we are seeing this a lot in which like uh, in Europe, like in Italy, whenever I go visit, you have to show your green pass everywhere. And it, it's on the phone. And frankly, not everyone has a smartphone or not everyone is uh, literate to uh, use it uh, in the way which is... Uh, so I agree that uh, um, this is going to take a while. But actually, here there is a clarification that I need from you. Whenever I will use my mobile driving license, like say that I have it on my iOS wallet and I use it. Whenever I use it, is the department of a driving license going to know that I'm using it or am I going to be able to use these and keep my spending habits completely private from the identity provider? The 18013 standard is designed so that the mobile driver's license does not have to call home for the data or for revocation even. I mean, there's implementation choices for sure. So there are modes where the verification software does call back to the issuer for the data itself. But the predominant mode that we're seeing is where the data is provisioned with signatures to the device itself, and the verifier does not call back home for anything. You know, it's got to do a revocation check for certificates, but those don't have to be housed at the issuer. They can be housed in a distributed ledger, for example, or downloaded to the verifier in bulk. Uh, and there are many other topologies for that. So no, it is not a requirement to call home. From my opinion, it's not an ideal design if you make the credential call home because you can never go offline. And these things are designed to go offline. Right. Okay, great. So that uh, solves it. Uh the privacy problem, or at least mitigates. But then does that mean that uh, if I am like an establishment, you come in and you do your presentation, can I then turn around and use that presentation and pretend that I'm you to a different establishment? Uh, no, no, because the, the data on the device is signed to the device key that's on the device itself. So to, to present the data objects onwards, you would have to have the private key of the device, which obviously you do not get when you're when the credential is presented to you as an establishment. So no, there's no there's no onward forwarding. The signatures are are set up so that the data is protected using the signature from the issuer, but the presentation, the transmission is protected by the keys of the device itself. 
and hopefully there is a way of tying it to otherwise uh, with just uh, a provisioning time. Okay, yeah, the there there is actually a um, mobile security object. It's called. That's where the linkages are. So that that is the mechanism used to contain hashes of the data objects. It has you know the public keys of the issuer and the device. So using that object, you can actually verify that it came from that device and came from that from that issuer. Yes. Great. Fantastic. That does sound very similar to what PSYOP does when they do their little presentation. Yeah, that's very interesting. So do you think that uh, we'll ever get to a moment in which uh, we will not have uh, plastic cards? Not in my lifetime. And you'll have to guess how old I am. <laughs> Let's cut a finger and count the rings. <laughs> yes, exactly. The thing is that the usefulness, utility, and convenience of digital formats will drive adoption. Once we get beyond the mobile driver's license credential and get into all kinds of entitlements and capabilities and certificates kinds of credentials, I mean, that's one of the dreams of the identity world is there's a whole sub-domain about, all about credentials and how getting them into a wallet. And Kim Cameron was a, a great advocate of this. The wallet will be the place where you put your cards, your digital cards. And when we get to that point, you could have either the electronic, the digital, or the plastic. Now, if you're going hiking in the woods for three weeks, you might want to take your plastic with you because batteries run out eventually or whatever, or you drop your phone. So there'll always be coexistence of some kind. If I could predict that future, I'd probably quit my job and do whatever that is that's predicted because it's going to be a big business. In it. Indeed, indeed. And speaking of taking actions, this has been incredibly interesting, but I don't want to abuse of your time. So considering where things are today, if you were to issue a call for, a, for action to our audience, what would you say uh, you'd like people to do? So if you're in a standardization body that is working on things similar to credentials, issuance, storage, presentation, thinking about how proofs should work in a connected and disconnected worlds, find out where the touch point is to the ISO committees. Everyone on the ISO work groups, the committees dealing with the mobile driver's license is doing outreach. Now we're finding all the communities that should be or could be or want to be interacting with mobile driver's license and talking about how that's going to happen. So watch for the outreach. It's happening now. Uh, this podcast is even part of it, right? That's the main thing. Now, as regular people out there, keep your mind open, right? I do a, an airport departure lounge test with this. I'll just pull out my demo app and I'll say, would you ever use one of these? And half the people say yes, half the people say no. And it's by age. Right. So the younger people say, yeah, yeah, I forget my wallet. I take my phone. Right. And that's what we're seeing. So it's shifting through the generations. Now, if you're in the industry, I predict that identity verification in all its forms is the next big thing. Right. So multi-factor authentication, you know, we've seen the technologies spike and now it's all deployments and, you know, more efficiency, more user experience. Identity verification is now the thing. So it's been growing for the last couple of years, starting with formal identity proofing. But now when we've got these digital credentials, the rest of verification is coming online. And we're seeing really interesting product announcements coming out every week 
So if you're looking for an industry to go into, that's a pretty good one to look at. Fantastic. Great, great uh, advice. <laughs> uh, not investor advice, but still advice. <laughs> so again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. This was uh, super interesting. And I believe differently from the usual esoteric uh, standards that uh, we uh, talk about on the show, this really has the potential of touching so many lives. So it's touching directly so many lives, as in people will know that that's what they are doing. Then it's not like the other yeah, stuff I, does is not relevant. It's that the other stuff is buried in the stack. Vittorio, you're about to get some very angry tweets tweeted at you. <laughs> well, 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 well. Let's stop for the best. All standards are incredibly interesting. They form the infrastructure of our digital world. Yes. And uh, the fact that uh, we have a podcast about them, and that's surprising. Like, uh, you wouldn't believe. When we started this, I thought, well, well it's going to be like uh, 12 people, <laughs> maybe, that will listen to this. And instead, we have like amazing numbers. So, yeah, for standards. But anyway, thanks again for taking uh, the time to come here and tell us about uh, the mobile driving license. I predict that uh, maybe next year, we might want to come back uh, and see where we are at because uh, you are conservative as in like it's going to take some time and similar, but I believe that the use case is so compelling that uh, we might see actually maybe a more compressed timeline than, uh, than you suggested. Yes, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Vittorio. And uh, you, I don't know if people could tell, but I'm a little excited about this topic. So I'm happy to come back anytime. Wonderful. Thank you. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app or at identityunlocked.com. Until next time, I'm Vittorio Bertocci, and this is Identity Unlocked. The music for this podcast, composed and performed by Marcelo Walowski. Identity Unlocked is powered by Of Zero.